All right. Good morning. Man, what a great introduction. He makes me sound so awesome. As he said, I, I'm so thankful to be able to, to speak God's word to you this morning. And uh, uh, the Lord has so laid this on my heart for so many years. Um, I think we've been deceived and tricked uh, by the devil to think that Christ's atonement was not enough for physical healing. And he, healing is a very sensitive subject for, for everybody, for a lot of people. Um, in my life, when I was a young man, I was seven years old, uh, my dad uh, was diagnosed with liver cancer. Um, in the early 80s, chemotherapy and uh, bone marrow transplants were relatively new and experimental things. Um, he went to Texas, and uh, they experimented on him with all this. Um, he came back and recovered for a brief period, and then it came back again all the way up until the night that he passed away. I had no doubt in my heart that he was going to be healed all the way to the end. I'm not here this morning to answer all the whys or the why nots. I don't have all the answers. But what I want to do this morning is build your faith, show you what Jesus has done through his redemption for us, not only through sin for our spiritual redemption, but also our physical redemption, our healing. And then also remind you of who God is and how he's never changing, and he's the same yesterday and today and forever. So this morning, I'd like to start with the origin of sickness. Just give us a little bit of background in Genesis. Genesis, it talks about creation, the beginning. And it talks about Adam and Eve and how they were in paradise. And they got to walk and they got to talk and they got to stay and visit with the Lord every day in person. And so many times we come into maybe the sanctuary and we worship and, and we feel the presence of the Lord and it's like, yeah, wow, that is so awesome. Or maybe we have quiet time and we feel the presence of the Lord. He reveals something to us and it's like, yes, that is so awesome. But could you imagine walking in the presence of the Lord every single day? Wow. I mean, Wow, I can't even explain that little bit in worship that we feel when the Lord reaches down. It's like, woo yeah. Be able to walk in that every single day. How awesome is that? Everything was perfect. Everything was great. It was paradise. But then, through the fall, sin entered, right? Adam and Eve were disobedient. They ate they were de- Eve was deceived by the serpent. They ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and sin entered. And because of that, they had to leave perfection. They had to leave the presence of the Lord. They had to leave. Not only that, but pain and suffering, Genesis talks about, is introduced because that was part of the consequence for disobedience. So sin enters. <laughs> Sickness enters through sin, and entered through Adam and Eve because she was deceived, and 
pain, weakness, and death entered through Adam's sin. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all men because all have sinned. Sickness and death entered this world through sin. I'd like to look at an example of sickness in Job. You guys, I'm sure, know the story of Job. I so often hate reading about Job because I, I think, wow, I, I would not be able to do that. I would fail. I would fail terribly. Um, but the more I studied it and the more I read this time, it, it applies to us so greatly because of the precedent that God set through this. So let's read about Job real quick. Job chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the land of Uz, there was a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all of his people in Israel. That's a lot of livestock. That's a lot of livestock. I don't know how much property he had, but he, I'm sure it was massive. It was immense. He was the greatest among his people. He was blessed. He was an upright man. Upright man. We know what happens to Job. Don't we? Everything is taken from him. Everything is destroyed. All of his livestock is destroyed. His kids are killed. And it all comes on suddenly. And what's he do? He doesn't complain. He says it's okay. Where did this come from? Where did these bad things come from? You guys know? Was it from God? It wasn't from God. It says, Job chapter 2, verse 7. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores. He got sick too. I didn't mention that. I'm sorry. He got sick. Not only was everything taken from him, which was the devil's work, because it says in the previous chapter that that's what he did to him, but also he got sick. And not just like got the flu. He got sores. What's it say? was afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. And then Job had to take a broken piece of pottery and scrape himself with it as he sat among the ashes. How terrible is that? Have you ever, like, okay, I think of like a splinter. You get a spl I get splinters all the time. You get a splinter in your hand, and then it's a deep one. And you don't want to dig it out. And so what do you do? You leave it there, right? And then it kind of gets yucky, and it gets red, and it hurts. And then what's the next thing you do? I don't know what you do, but I'll tell you what I have to do. It gets all pussy and yucky. I'm just gross, but you squeeze it, and all that stuff comes out, right? Well, the affliction that he had, 
It was terrible. It, uh, it caused his skin to turn black. All these, these sores, they, they cracked and they festered and they had worms. It was gross. It was terrible. This wasn't just for like a day. We know that it was more than a week because later on his friends come to sit with him because of all the destruction that's come upon him. And it says that they sat with him and, and mourned with him for a week. We know that it was longer than a week. Most people, most of the theologians think that it was possibly months, if not a year, that he sat there in misery. It talks about how he can't sleep. Chapter 7 says for months that he couldn't sleep and that he had scabs and it, and it caused cracking and festering of the skin with worms. Man. And still he didn't complain about it. Where did this come from? Satan was afflicting him. Right? Satan was afflicting him. And it's interesting. Job was described as a blameless and upright man that feared God and shunned evil. A godly man. Blameless. But he got sick. Interesting. I want to give another example. Luke chapter 13, verse 16. Luke 13, 16. Jesus is talking. I love this. Jesus is in the synagogue and, and uh, he's talking and teaching and, and uh, this woman comes in who is, he calls her up actually, who's been bent over. She's crippled. She's been bowed over, bent over for 18 years. 18 years. Jesus, they start, they start to give him a hard time because he's been a healer on the Sabbath. And so Jesus says, should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? Who afflicted her? Satan. Okay. Let's have another example. And this one, this one's the trump, I think. Acts. Chapter 10. Verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how He went around doing good and healing. Healing all who were under the power of the devil. Because God was with Him. How many people did Jesus heal? A lot. He healed all. All that came to Him. There's not one example in the Bible of, of Jesus turning someone away. And it says right here that he went about, Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Well, what's that tell you? The sickness is not of God, it's, it's from the devil. Okay, well that, that makes me feel a lot better right off the bat. If sickness is from Satan, then why? Okay, well, if sickness is from Satan, then what is the will of God in our sickness? How about that? Okay, without a big 
theological discussion here. I just want to go over a few things for you to consider. Okay? One is there was perfection in creation. Right? God made it perfect. His intentions for us was to walk with us, commune with us, fellowship with us without sickness. He didn't create sickness on one of the days that he created everything else. His intention was perfection and health. Next thing I want, to cons- want you to consider is, we just sang a song about he's a good father. I try to be the best father that I can. I never understood the real true love of a father until I had my own children. When my kids get sick, I'm a wreck. You can ask my wife, Kim. When my kids have the flu, when they're hurt, I can't stand it. I can't sleep. If I hear them cough, if I hear them roll over in bed, I wake up, I want to be able to help them. I want to comfort them. I, I want to be whatever I can be to make it better for them. And if that's me, an imperfect man, how much greater is the Father's love for us? Wow, he's the good Father. Even on my, one of my boys, we butt heads. And he's getting ready to be in his teen years, and I'm so looking forward to it. But listen, even on his worst day, on the worst day of his life, the worst thing that he could ever possibly do, anything, I would never wish cancer on him. I would never wish death. And if that's me... (laughs) How can we think any different of the Father? He's a good God. He loves us. He wants to bless us. He wants us. He wants to take care of us. That's who He is. He's a good Father. Next thing I want you to consider is perfection in heaven. I think you'd be really hard-pressed to find somebody to tell you that there's going to be sickness in heaven. Right? Everybody. Everybody knows that when you get to heaven, everything is made complete again. Right? How do we know that? Well, there's a verse for it. Revelation 21.4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. That's what heaven is. Awesome. I'll take it. Perfection in creation, the love of a good father, perfection in heaven, and how about this, the Lord's Prayer. You guys say the Lord's Prayer? Maybe you don't say it every day, but one of the things in the Lord's Prayer says, what, you guys know where I'm going? Your will be done, thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is going to be in heaven? Is there going to be sickness in heaven? No. No sickness in heaven. And then this is this is my favorite. Lamentations 323. I'm sorry, 332 and 33. It says, Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. 
For he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to the children of man. That is God's will. It says it right there. He does not willingly bring affliction. Wow. Yeah. That's the Lord we serve. If it's not God's will for people to be sick, then why are Christians sick? Is God's will being done completely every day on this earth? Is everything that happens God's will on this earth? Now, one of the things that I know for sure is not God's will is in 2 Peter 3.9, it says, God's will is that none should perish, but all would come to repentance. Do people die every day and go to hell? Is that God's will? No. We know for a fact that God's complete will is not being fulfilled and accomplished every day on this earth just from that alone, not to mention all the other things. We live in a wicked, fallen, sinful sinful world. We have inherited Adam's fallen nature. Our souls corrupted by sin and body exposed to disease. And we are in need of complete redemption. Spiritually and physically. Thankfully, we have that through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's shown all through Jesus' ministry how he forgave sin and healed the sick, all the sick that came to him. And the ultimate fulfillment of our redemption is by him going to the cross and taking our punishment so we can have forgiveness by the shedding of his blood. Right? After Jesus rises from the dead, he instructs his disciples in Mark chapter 16. Turn there real quick. Jesus gives instructions to his disciples and to us ultimately. After he's risen from the dead, he, he meets with the disciples and, and gives them these instructions in the Great Commission. He says, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Well, first he says, Go into all the world and preach the good news. What's the good news? The good news is that there's redemption. That we no longer have to live separated from God. That we can be forgiven from our sins. And that there's a hope and a future for us through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the good news. That's good news. He goes on to say, Go through the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And then Jesus says, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. When they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. And when they place their hands on sick people, they will get well. He said, Those that believe will be redeemed spiritually. Right? Those who believe in me, those who believe in the good news that Jesus Christ came and died for their sins and that the blood was shed to cover, to atone for the sins in, in our lives, if they believe that, these signs will accompany that. That's what it says. That's what Jesus said. I'm not saying it. it's what Jesus said. And what's the last thing there? 
They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. So you have the atonement. Complete. It's complete. You have the spiritual aspect and you have the physical aspect. It's complete for us. So this same redemption that Jesus started in His ministry of forgiving sins. How many times did Jesus say when He healed somebody, go and sin no more? Jesus forgave sin, and there was healing all through His ministry. And then ultimately on the cross, when He shed His blood and He bore a sickness on His body, that same redemption that started back then, 2,000 years ago, is still every bit as strong and powerful today as it was then, and in 2,000 years it will still be as strong and powerful, and in 10,000 years it will still be as strong and powerful. It's complete redemption. Amen? Yes. So one of the reasons that we have sickness is because we live in a sinful, fallen world. But Christ has purchased our redemption for that. Another reason that we could have sickness is this is the one that nobody likes. It's disobedience. <laughs> Israel's told the consequences for disobedience. All through the New Testament, the Lord says, if you guys will just listen to me and do what I ask you to do, you won't get sick. Over and over it shows that. But in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, it gives the consequences for disobedience. And it's ugly. Oh my gosh, it's ugly. It's bad. And Jesus is saying, look, I don't want this stuff for you. Or God is saying, I don't want this stuff for you. I just, I know what's going to happen. If you do this, then this is what's going to happen. Okay? It's like when my, if you've been to our house, we've got this big hill in front of our house. Wow. The kids want to go down that hill 100 miles an hour on their bikes or whatever, right? But I can see at the bottom of the road there's some pebbles and there's some rocks and there's some gravel. And they want to jump on their skateboard and ride that down, do 100 miles an hour down that hill. And I know what's going to happen when they hit that gravel, don't I? I'm not cursing them saying that they're going to burn all their skin off when they drag across the asphalt, okay? I'm not cursing them. I'm just saying I know what's going to happen. And it's not any different than what, Jesus, than what God is saying when he describes the curses for disobedience. Oh my gosh, I am so running out of time. What time does service get over for sure? 10.15. It's almost 10 o'clock. Woo, okay, I'm going to speed things up very quickly. I'm sorry. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 28.22, it gives a description of some of the things that, that could be sicknesses, that could be consequences for disobedience. Okay, I'm going to go through these fast. Boils, tumors, festering sores, the itch from which you cannot be cured. You ever had poison ivy? I don't know what the itch is, but could you imagine having poison ivy all over your body for the rest of your life? No, thank you. Madness, blindness, Verse 28, madness, blindness, confusion of mind, mental health. Verse 59, severe and lingering illnesses. If that's not enough, verse 60 says, every kind of sickness and disease not recorded in this book. 
That covers it all. It's quite simple. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about disobedience that causes sickness because there's an easy cure. And this disobedience that we're talking about here, it's not the kind, in my mind, it's not the kind of disobedience that, oh, we're struggling with this issue and we're seeking the Lord for forgiveness. That's not the kind of disobedience that it's talking about here. It's talking about defiant disobedience to something God has either instructed you to do or what His Word says. And you refuse to listen to the Holy Spirit and you turn away from it. That's the kind of disobedience that it's talking about here. Okay? So don't, don't let anybody trick you into thinking that, well, it's just because we all have sin in our life, so we're all going to have sickness. No, that's not the kind of disobedience it's talking about. It's talking about serious, something serious. You know, and if you harden your heart to the Holy Spirit's convicting of something, you know what? Eventually, you might actually forget about it. It's possible. And you need the Holy Spirit, or you need an occasion for someone to come to you and, and pray, say, hey, Lord, if I've got any sin in my life, reveal it to me. Disobedience for sickness. Wow. I have testimony after testimony after testimony of healing. And, and I don't have... I don't even have close to time. And I'm not saying this to pat my own back, but Kim and I have gone out time and time again and prayed for people and seen physical healing. It's not something that just happened in the Bible. This is real. And I'd love to give you all these examples, but for time constraints, it's just not going to be possible. I've seen it myself. In this very church right here, a few years ago, Kim sat with 10 ladies from her fusion group, and she had been sick for three months. Doctor thought it was, gonna, it was her gallbladder. We didn't have insurance at the time. It was going to be $2,700 for the test to find out if it was a gallbladder. She came to her fusion group, told her ladies, guess what? 10 ladies prayed for her. They laid hands on her. They spoke scripture over her. They prayed in tongues over her. And they asked the Lord to heal her. Three days later, she was 100% free from her symptoms. And still is. In this church. It's real. Just recently, Jason Kramer. You guys know Jason? He had this weird something happen to him. I I wrote it down. Guillaume Beret. Literally paralyzes you in about two days. So bad that some people have to be put on a respirator just to breathe because it paralyzes every muscle in your body. Takes, if you recover, six months to 12 months to recover. And, and most people, I guess, apparently, most people that do recover, they lose some of their functionality three guys from his fusion group in this church this just happened in february of this year three guys from his fusion group in this church went up to cox hospital laid hands on him prayed for his healing and he walked out of there seven days later true story ask him when he comes he'll tell you wow 
That's the God that we serve. There's so much more I want to talk. Last thing I want to share with you because we're already out of time is Galatians 3.13 says, Jesus Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. That is so overpowering. It makes me want to cry. Jesus Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Why? How? Because he took our place and he he bore our sickness and disease on the cross and he purchased it with his body and his blood. The overwhelming fact of that is is that if you go back into Leviticus and Deuteronomy and you read about what the curses are for the disobedience to the law and they're terrible and they're all these things and the great part is that stuff doesn't apply to us anymore. One of the reasons that I believe that some of us are sick is because we don't stand up and take authority over what Jesus Christ has already done for us in our life. And we say, well, I've got this sickness or I've got this or this or this. And we could go back in Deuteronomy and say, you know what? Right here it says this is a curse for disobedience. But I am in right standing with the Lord right now. And and I have a clean heart before Him. And Jesus Christ purchased my redemption. He's redeemed me from the curse of the law. And I don't have to have this. This doesn't apply to me because he already paid the price for this. And the example of this is Kim and I, let's say Kim and I go to some Middle Eastern country and uh, Kim, let's say she's wearing a dress that's a little too short and it shows some of her ankle. And the punishment for showing ankle in this country is 12 lashes. Let's just say. Well, they will allow a substitute. So they will allow me to take the beating and the punishment for her. And so I go, and I take the 12 lashes for her because I love her, right? And so then we go back to the hotel, right? And I'm a mess and bleeding and all this. And and the next day, you hear this knock on the door, right? And here's these guys like, well, we're here to take Kim for a beating. And I just say, well, yeah, you know, she... She did. She broke the rules. She broke the law. I guess go ahead and take her. No! I already took the beating for her. Do you understand where I'm coming? Jesus Christ already took it for us. He's already provided for us. But if we don't stand up and, and tell the devil, hey, look, this is what Jesus did for me. How can we expect to have anything different if we just let him walk on us? Very quickly, because I'm going to close here in just a second. What's our instruction? There's so much more I wanted to tell you. <laughs> There's so many. I mean, we could talk for days on this. What's our instruction? What, what should we do? Scripturally, what are we supposed to do? Let me get. Mm-hmm. Pray for yourself. That's the first one. James 5.13, Is any one of you suffering or afflicted? Let him pray. We're instructed to pray for ourselves when we're sick. It's scriptural. That's the first thing we're supposed to do. Pray for yourself. Find a scripture that relates to your situation and stand on it. Pray for yourself. Second thing we need to do, ask someone to pray for you. 
Let me tell you, if someone asks you to pray for them, don't just use it like that little Christian catchphrase, oh yeah, I'll pray for you. If someone asks you to pray for them, pray for them. Pray for them right then and there. And then continue to pray for them. Go home and pray for them. James 5.16, ask someone to pray for you. James 5.16 says, pray for one another so that you may be healed. And you know what? It doesn't have to be Pastor Jay. It doesn't have to be someone with a big theology degree. It just has to be a sincere Christian. Someone who believes that Jesus Christ's blood and sacrifice was enough for our atonement. And last thing, last thing we're supposed to do scripturally, it says, call for the elders of the church. James 5, 14 through 16. Is any one of you sick? He should call on the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. The power of a righteous man is the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. See, I wanted to give you examples of times that Kim and I went and prayed for someone and we were prompted to to go before the Lord and, and ask the Lord to show this person if there was any sin in their life. And we had a friend that we were prompted that way and he was healed. He lost 20 pounds in two weeks. Doctors didn't know what was wrong with him. He was so weak he couldn't hardly get up. In fact, it was all he could do to sit in the chair when we came over to pray with him. Three days later, he went back to work. Not only was he healed from whatever was wrong with him, but he'd been struggling with some kind of stomach acid thing where he couldn't lay down to sleep, and a lot of times all he could eat was rice. He was healed from that. We didn't even ask for that. Wow. That's the kind of Lord that we serve. I've got to close. I'm so sorry. Because there's so much more I want to say. Kip, if you'd come up. You know, this morning, we've we got to have opportunity. We've got to have opportunity for prayer. You know, if you'd have asked Adam, hey, uh, you know, how's your headache? He would, have no, he would have no idea what you're talking about. He wouldn't even know how to reference that because there, there was no such thing. So when we get up in the morning and we have a headache, what's the first thing that we do? Unfortunately, more than likely, it's probably grab the Tylenol, right? Why don't we ask the Lord to heal it? Why don't we give him opportunity to do what he says that he'll do? You know what? Let's start with the little things. I I dare you to start with the little things because what's going to happen is you're going to start with the little things and you're going to get some victories and it's going to build your faith. And then when the big things come, it's not going to be nearly as hard to ask and believe because you've already had it happen truth and kim and i are not anybody special you know why we see healings is because we ask all the time all the time you ask not because you have not because you ask not so this morning we're gonna have opportunity bow your heads with me for just a minute prayer teams if, if you'd come up you know this morning healing is available to us through our Lord Jesus Christ. And with your heads bowed, if you don't have any idea what I'm talking about with the atonement and the healing from sin 
uh, and, and a future with the Lord and eternity, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart to be your personal Savior, this morning is the time to do it. So with every head bowed, if you want to do that, if you want to ask the Lord to be your Savior this morning, I just ask that you'd raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you or, or bring you up here or anything. It's just, I just want to know so I can pray with you. Okay. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity, Lord, that you're providing us this morning, Lord, just to, uh, to just pour your Spirit out upon your children and to heal them, Father. And we just praise your name. We praise you for your son, Jesus, and his redemptive power and, and his sacrifice for us that he so lovingly made. Praise his name. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, we've got prayer teams up here. I don't care if you've got a headache. I don't care if you've got an ingrown toenail. I don't care if you've got cancer. I don't care what you've got. Now is the opportunity to come up and receive healing. So we're going to sing a couple songs here. Sing with us. Pray for the ones that are up here. After that, you're dismissed. Go out. Have a great day. And I hope that you exercise your faith. Let's sing.